Praise God. Amen. We're starting today um, a series for the, for, we got four Sunday mornings in October. We're starting a series in October called Heaven and Hell, Separating Fact from Fiction. And um, we're going to start today with the subject, Will You Enjoy Heaven? Will You Enjoy Heaven? Let's read for a moment. You can remain seated. Remote, read Revelation chapter 21. This is almost at the end of the Bible. Revelation 21, verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, saw, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he would dwell with him, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no more, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to them, Right for these words are true and faithful. True and faithful. There are some, there, there's always sort of something that arises in um, theology where we have to be able to separate fact from fiction. There are some things in Scripture that are not left up to interpretation. And there are a lot of other stuff in Scripture that is left up to interpretation. There's some things in Scripture that you and I may not agree on, and that's okay. There's some things in Scripture that you may see differently. There are some things that we do need to agree on. There's some things that the Bible is very clear that we must agree on. There are not multiple roads to be saved. There is but one way. Narrow is the way, straight is the that, that leads to everything. It's, it's, a, it's a defined pathway. I, I, years ago, I preached a message that said uh, all roads don't lead to Rome. Even though all roads did lead to Rome at one time, in this context, we don't just all find our own path and get to God. There is a defined path. But there are some things that are left up to interpretation. But the problem with that is, is that when you start having multiple interpretations, you start getting farther and farther away from what the Bible says and more and more into opinion. And when you get into opinion, you start losing the facts of Scripture and start getting to the myths of opinion. And there's a little, there's, there's some things about heaven when we talk about heaven that have come out of some myths interpretations of certain scripture and have created sort of these myths of what we picture heaven to be and the Bible never gives us that picture of heaven. There's a very, very famous, and I use that word because he is famous. You may, not, you may know him. I'm not going to use his name, but the very famous TV preacher. And if you don't think he's famous, just sit around long enough, he'll tell you how famous he is. Very famous TV preacher. He's, he speaks all over the world. He had a dream. He was at a conference one night, and I mean this not to be sarcastic or, or judgmental, but he 
he claimed that God gave him a dream. And in this dream, he went to heaven. And when he arrived at heaven, he said the first thing when he got there was there was a long line. And there was a long line at the gate. There was a gate to get in. And there was a long line. And he said as he was standing there in that line, this big burly man, this, this, he's a very, anima, uh, very, very animated speaker. This big, big burly man comes and grabs him. Says, come with me. And he says, who are you? And he says, well, I'm Abraham. And Abraham takes him. He tells us with a straight face, I'm telling you. Abraham takes him and he circumnavigates the line. And he walks into heaven. And he says, Abraham, where are we going? And Abraham says, I want to show you something. He says, okay. And so they begin to walk the streets of heaven and they walk several different neighborhoods. Well, you kind of find that to be ironic. And he turns the corner, and there's a street lined with mansions. And he says, where are we going? And he says, I want to take you to your mansion. And he said, we passed by one massive mansion. And he said to Abraham, whose mansion is that? And Abraham said, well, it's so-and-so. And he was at this meeting, and there was a very prominent uh, televangelist there and, and it was supposed to be his mansion Abraham said that belonged to him it didn't belong to you yours is not quite as big as his and so they walked out and he said he walked into the mansion and finally got into his mansion and he walked in and his mansion was just absolutely amazing and, and it had a big huge open area and it had a piano in it and had, he described all the stuff that his mansion had Slight problem. There is nowhere in Scripture that says that's the way heaven's going to be. So the first myth in heaven is heaven is not Beverly Hills. If you want to be depressed about your life, go to Beverly Hills in that area, my wife and I, several years ago for a honeymoon, we went out there. And to drive around there and see some of those just, to call them houses is, is an understatement. I mean, like, you've got guys out there with scissors cutting the grass to be precise. I mean, it's like ridiculous. But heaven's not Beverly Hills. So the problem is, you said, well, the Bible does say there's a mansion. Well, I'm glad you said that because we're going to read that. Let's go there. John chapter 14, verse number 1. This is where we get it from. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Woo, there it is. See, I knew it. My mansion. I'm told I'm going to get my mansion. Slight problem. That was a King James translation of a Greek word. And the Greek word there doesn't mean big house. The Greek word there means dwelling place. And the reference and the context of that is in the culture in which Jesus was speaking, a father would take a house and as his children would get, would get married, he would add on rooms to the house to create dwelling places for his family to live in. 
And the father would have the means to provide a place for his children to dwell in. So when Jesus said, in my house, there, in, my, in, 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 in my father's house are many mansions. First of all, that's an oxymoron if you think about it. A house that has mansions in it. So he said, in my father's house, not many mansions, but in my, in my father's house, there's a dwelling place for you. What he was trying to convey was the fact that their heaven is not an exclusive club. He was trying to say that there's never going to be a time where the father says, that's enough, I can't take anymore, I'm filled up. What he was trying to say was, it doesn't matter how many, because there's always going to be room for more. Think about this for a second. John gives us a description of heaven and he talks about it being basically if you want to think of it this way it was a cube 12,000 furlong, furlong, furlongs wide tall deep whatever so it's basically kind of a cube shape if you think about that do you know what that means if a furlong is about 220 miles and you multiply that 220 by 12,000 12, it comes out to 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles tall, 1,500 miles deep. That's huge. 1,500 miles is about the distance from Miami to Boston, from D.C. to Denver. If you imagine something that came and sat down on the United States that reached from 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 D.C. all the way to Denver and reached from Miami almost all the way up past New York and that set there and that was a cube and then 1,500 miles high. Um, some of you, 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 you government guys, what's a satellite orbit the Earth at? Uh huh? 33,000 miles? What's outer space begin at? How many, how many miles up? It's not that far, is it? We're, it's 50, imagine 1,500 miles high. 1,500 miles high. That's the expanse that John described this new Jerusalem coming down. So what Jesus was trying to convey was the fact that he's preparing a place for all that can and that desire their space. But this idea that, you know, I've heard, honestly, as silly as it sounds, I've heard people, when you're around church long enough, you hear stuff. I've heard people argue what their mansion was going to look like. Like there's a Home Depot in heaven. You can go down and pick up your colors. I mean, come on. You think about it. It's like eternity. Don't you think after a while you get, you mean, the wall color after, I mean... After a while, in your house, you just want to paint the wall because you're tired of looking at the same color after five, ten years. If eternity is eternity, how many trips to Home Depot are you talking about for your mansion? And the question about it is, if you're like me, I hate painting. I despise painting. I will literally watch grass grow. Then I want to paint. I don't know what it is about painting. I, I, painting drives me crazy. So if I get to heaven... Who's going to paint my mansion? 
come on, let's just take it farther. This is how silly some of this stuff gets. And you got mansion. Does that mean like your body, if, it's, if your body when you get to heaven is a glorified body and doesn't break down, I guess that means your mansion doesn't ever need repairs, never have a leak, your AC never goes out? No, that's never the point of. And the other thing about it is, when you think of mansion, what do you think about? Like 10 bedrooms, 7 baths. Well, if I'm, if I'm the only one living in my mansion, why do I need all that? Because you are down the street. You ain't coming to my house to spend it. You've got your own mansion. And if my body's glorified and I don't sleep, why do I need 10 bedrooms? Why do I need eight bathrooms? Why do I need a kitchen? I'm glorified. I can walk through walls. I don't need a kitchen. And he says, in my father's house are many mansions. But in my father's house, there is a dwelling place for everybody that is desiring. There's not one person that God is going to say, you know what? I'm too full. You know why? Because Jesus was the first one to establish the no child left behind policy. No child in the kingdom of God. And I don't mean that by age. I mean that we are the children of God. No child will be left behind. In my father's house are many mansions. In my father's house, there is dwelling places for all. So the first myth in heaven is that heaven is Beverly Hills. The second myth of heaven is everything's perfect. When you hear the descriptions of heaven in, in Revelation, I mean, just the fact that the gates are made of pearl and the streets are made of gold and you've got all this incredible jewels and all this other stuff, and you think of perfection, but actually not everything in heaven is perfect. Isaiah 52, verse 14. Put that up there for me. Isaiah 52, 14. Look what Isaiah 52 says. Verse 14. We need some theme music. I'll read it then. Is it there? 52, verse 14. It says this. As many, there we go. As many were astounded at thee, his visage, visage, get it out here in a minute, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Who's that referring to? It was a prophetic of Jesus, meaning that Jesus' face, his visage, was so marred it was almost beyond recognition. You ever seen, I know several people that have had burns over their body, especially their face. Where basically, if you see a picture of what they used to look like and a picture of what they look like now, there's, you can't even tell the same person because they're so marred by the scarring. Think about it. He was beaten in his face, kicked in his face. Nose was broken. You ever seen one of those fighters? Like now the MMA or a, or a boxer on his, just, I mean, the no, his nose is just somewhere over here and he's got all that, the cauliflower, his ears, and it's just, you don't even have to ask what he does. You know. 
because his face has taken so much of a beating. And you imagine Jesus had his face beaten in, kicked in. And what's interesting is, is that John talks about when he sees Jesus in Revelation, his hair is white. Does that mean Jesus aged? There's actually a medical condition that if you experience a sudden trauma, some near-death experience, that is medically possible for your hair to turn gray overnight. And you're talking about the, the most traumatic event ever was so traumatic to his body that his hair turned gray overnight. His visage was so marred. And you know what? Let's be honest. Let's just... Have you ever seen somebody that's so horribly scarred, it's almost hard to look at them? You almost feel, you just feel, you don't, you don't want to look at them, even though you do want to look at them. You don't want to look at them because you don't want them to feel self-conscious about you staring at them. But the Bible says his vicious visage was so marred, more than any man. But you know what, Brother Lamone, the amazing part about that is, when we see that, we won't see ugliness. We'll see beauty. When we see that, we won't be turned off by his distorted face. We won't be turned off by the scars and the fact that his nose is crooked and his face is, face is turned. Notice, he didn't heal himself. He's God. He could have made him a new face. But Isaiah, Isaiah says he didn't do that. Why? Because when we see that, we won't see ugliness. We'll see beauty. We won't see imperfection, we'll see perfection. Why? Because we know it was because he did that, that we are there. There's many theories about the first 30 minutes of silence in heaven. There's many people that talk about that. And I don't know, there's not really a clear biblical interpretation of what the 30 minutes of silence is in heaven. But I wonder if the 30 minutes of silence is when we see him and we look upon his face that we're so overwhelmed by what we see that we can't even speak. That we're so overwhelmed by the fact that he was willing to do that for you and for me that we're not even, we can't even talk because we see the price that he paid. You know what's amazing about that? It's like two deals. His his appearance will draw us. His appearance will make us think of this beauty. But the Bible says that eventually... God's going to pull back another curtain. And we're going to see another figure. And his figure will draw us. His figure will, will say the beauty of what we see. But there's another figure that he'll open up the curtain. And that figure is Satan. And the Bible says that when we see him, our basic response is going to be, are you serious? Really? My, my kids, like every other kid goes to the stages, they get afraid of the dark. And for a while there, they're, getting, they're, they're starting to move a little bit beyond that, but it was, a, it was a stage there that if my daughters, their, their closet door was left open, there was no sleeping going on in that room. That, daughter, that door had to be shut. That door had to be closed. And then finally, it got to the point where that wasn't good enough. 
to have it shut. And you'd hear this voice, Dad, Mom! Walk in there, what do you need? There's something in the closet. There's nothing in the closet. There's something in the closet. We can't go to sleep. We hear something in the closet. There's nothing in the closet. No, 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 no. We heard something in the closet. There's something in that closet. And the fear was paralyzing them because what they assumed to be there. And I walk in there and open up, and thank God we have cell phones now with flashlights. Open it up and say, okay, fine. Open it up, turn on the flashlight, and show them. And their response was, well, there's nothing there but clothes. Why am I afraid? And then they go to sleep. And the Bible says when we open up that curtain and we see the adversary, our response is going to be, really? That's him? That's the thing that we allowed to intimidate us? That's who we allowed to keep us bound? That's who we allowed to keep us afraid? That, if I would have known that was what I was up against, I wouldn't have had a problem. But the adversary makes, wants to make himself look 100 times tall, 200 miles wide, and muscles on top of muscles. And the Bible says when you actually see him, your response will be, really? 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 That's who it was? And you think about the fact that now you've got the power in you of Almighty God, the Creator, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. His power not rests on you, but rests in you. And then that power, which is greater than anything ever, will be held in check by that. And we walk around here and go, well, we're just some Christians. We're just poor little Christians. Well, you know, we come to church because we got to just survive so we can make it to heaven. We're just poor Christians that are just, just, just bound to Christianity because that's just our life. And the fact of the matter is we've got an opportunity that we are called the sons of God. The Bible says that all of creation literally cries out, moans and cries out for the manifestations of the children, the sons of God, to step forth in manifestation for us to realize who we are and what we've got. And there is no devil in hell. There is demonic, no demonic power that is able to withstand the fact that we've got the revelation. You know what? The devil doesn't care you come to church. He doesn't care. The devil doesn't care you come to church and you sing. The devil doesn't care you come to church and you hear preaching. The devil doesn't care. The devil don't care. Because you can come to church and stay in your ignorance. You can come to church and just go through the motions of religion. His biggest fear is you ever figure out who you are. His biggest fear is that one day the light bulb goes off in your head and you figure out. So what does he do? He constantly tries to remind you of who you used to be so you get your eyes off who you are. He's constantly in your ear going, yeah, but look what you used to do. Look what you're doing. Look at him. Hey, over here, over here, over here, over here, over here. When he's really trying to get you distracted because if you ever realize the power of the blood of Jesus, 
and the power of the blood that was able to wash away all of the sin. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. I don't care if you're the biggest murderer that's ever been. The blood of Jesus is able to wash away. So instead of looking at what you used to be, to get your eyes on what he's made you to be. That's why you think, why do you think he tries so hard? And it's not the message for today, but we're here. Why do you think he tries so hard to keep us distracted of what we used to be? To remind us all the time, well, you know what? You know what? If you, you, you think you're all spiritual. Do you not remember what you used to do? Oh, well, how are you going? You, you're going to church. Do you not remember... The guy you used to be. And you're up there trying to praise and worship God and then you're having this conversation in your head. And what does that do? Your faith just goes... Because we preached about it last was it, week ago, Sunday night, whatever that was. Our problem is not faith in him. Our problem is we got to have faith in us. Because Paul says, I can do all things. Some of you weren't here, so give me two seconds to give you a recap, the cliff notes. Paul says, what? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. What do we focus on in that verse? Christ. But the revelation of that verse is not that Christ can do all things. The revelation is I can do all things. But I can't do all things on my own, but I can do all things through Christ. But the revelation is I believe in me. And why do you think Paul, of all the writers who got the revelation of who he was, was the same guy who put in there, forgetting those things that are behind, pressing forward to the mark, the high calling that is before. Why was it Paul? Because Paul knew you can't believe in yourself and get the revelation of who you are until you finally stop looking at who you used to be. Notice this. God never said that you're supposed to confess your sins to the church to be saved. Because you know what? I don't care what you used to do. It doesn't bother me. If you knew some of the histories and backgrounds of people in this room, it would astonish you. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because you know what? Look at these hands. There's no scars there. I would take my shoes and socks off, but that's just nasty. There's no scars there. Look at my head. There's no, there is some scarring there, but it's not from nails, from, from uh, thorns. I didn't die. So it's not my right to judge you and what you used to be, but it's to love you for who you are now because you're my brother, you're my sister. And the fact that some of us walk around and we can't get past... Oh, I'm about to preach for a second right now. The fact that some of us walk around and we can't get past what others used to be, we're really telling them we can't get past what they used to be because we can't get past who we used to be. Because if I can accept and let God forgive me, then I should be able to turn around and let God forgive you because I know it's only by His grace that I'm sitting here today. I didn't earn it. 
I didn't do anything to earn this. I didn't do anything special. I didn't pay my, my penance to, to God and whip myself a hundred times on my back and say 500 Hail Marys and 300 Our Fathers to get over this. No, I just accepted the fact that I needed His forgiveness in my life. And His blood washed me. He didn't ask for my pedigree. He didn't ask for what, 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 you know. He didn't say, well, what can you do for me? He just said, let me. So why am I going to sit here and worry about what you've done? But the devil is a master. Ooh, over here. Look this way. Look this way. And so we, if we do, you know what? If I'm in somewhere that I know where I'm going, Walking backwards is not a big deal. But you've put me in an environment I don't know. It's hard to walk backwards. Every step is treacherous because I don't know where I'm going. Why do you think some of you making progress in God is so hard? Boy, living for God is hard. Bing, man, we are working hard. There's so much effort in this. Well, the Bible says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. For my, was, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Whoa, 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 don't feel that way. Wait a minute. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If I could show you, we're just, I, I'm, I know, forgive me, I'm terrible at this. This is why the Lord probably never has me do this because I can't stay on subject. If I could show you what some of you look like today, this is exactly what you look like. Sorry, Cassius, you work so hard. They look so pretty. This is exactly what you look like today. Living for God. Boy, isn't God good? Oh, yeah, really? He's awesome. Boy, this is... Why don't you come to church? Really? I just drag my chairs home. I don't want to drag them to church, too. And we drag our chairs to church, right? We just drag our stuff to church. Oh, we're here. We're here. We're here. We're here. And you know what? God forbid someone comes along and tries to reach out and bumps our chair. What are you? They don't know what they're doing. They're just trying to shake your hand and be a friend. But they didn't know they knocked over one of your chairs. Whoa, whoa, you can't be doing that. If you could see, Paul's what is that? laying down every weight, every sin that so easily. If I could show you what you look like today, this is what some of you look, well, this is a, a calm down version of what some of you look like today. If I really had it, I'd take about half that section with me, try to carry it. That's what some of you look like. And you're just, oh, it is that's, you know what? Here's the problem with that. I can do this for a little while. It's not a big deal. And you know what? If I put this here, I'm going to put one down. Worshiping is not that big of a deal right now. Well, I can worship. But you know what? You do this long enough. My dad was at the Naval Academy. He told the story. He used to get care packages at the Academy. Cookies or whatever. Someone would make them, send it to him. I guess his mom. I forgot who made it. I think it was his mom. And the upperclassman, he was, a, he was a freshman, or they called a plebe. The upperclassman couldn't just outright take your care package. 
But they had ways around that. And if they, if they challenged you to something, you had to accept the challenge. And so he gets the care package in one day, and this upperclassman comes in, and he says, right? I challenge you to something. He says, I challenge you that you can't hold the pencil in front of your, your hand for, I think it was like 10 seconds. And being gullible, my father said, you know what? I'll take that. He said, but if you can't do it, I get your care package. He said, okay, I can do that. So he said, oh, whoa, whoa, before we start, hold on a second. And he says, he went over to the desk and got a big stack of books. He held, put it in his hand and said, hold that out for a while. He held that out to that drop. Then he went and got something else, put it out. Then he went and got his rifle. He said, hold that for a while. And then that drop. He did three or four other things. And by the time he said, okay, here, have the pencil. And by that time, his hand was so weak, about two seconds into it, his pencil dropped. And he walked out with the care package. You know what? If I'm the devil and I know I can't stop you, I know I can't stop you because you got the power of the name. I can't stop the name. You got the power of the blood. The blood's greater than anything I can do. You got the spirit of God in you in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can't compete with that. So what do I got to do? I got to find out other ways to get you distracted and find out other ways to get you because I know if you realize all of that... I don't stand a chance. So what do I do? I say, well, you know what? You know, you know, once you take a chair with you, how, how about two chairs? How about five chairs? How about ten chairs? How about just take a whole section with you? And you're just dragging chairs around. And he's like, you know what? If you ever realize, just put them down. Because you can't, if you could figure it out, you had already figured it out by now. Why don't you just put them down, lift your hands and say, God, I can't do anything about it, and give it to him and let God do something? If you do that, he can't stand a chance. But as long as you're carrying that around and he's over there going, hey, hey, over here, look over here, look over here. You, you can't ask God for that. You don't know what you, remember that you done? How dare you ask God for that? You remember the person you used to be? Remember all the clubs you used to go to back in the day? Come on. I got to pick on you because you love me. Remember the clubs back in New York City? I mean, you were living in New York City during the, I mean, it was, it was wild back then, wasn't it? They made documentaries on that. I mean, going, just, just living the life. You thought, there you go. I'm going to let you preach in a minute. Thought. But you know what? Old things passed away. Behold, all things made new. You know what? You know what? I, I did this. I need to do it more often. But when the devil comes around knocking on my door, reminding me who I used to be, instead of trying to fight it, I start agreeing with him. You don't remember what you used to be? I say, you're right. I did. Used to be that. I did. Used to think that way. I did have that problem. I did do that sin. You're right. But you forgot to mention one thing. That's where your story ends, but that's not where my story ends. Because that's what I did. But the blood that was shed on Calvary that you couldn't stop. And the name that is above every name that the Bible says you hear and you tremble. 
I've got that and you don't. And you know what? When that happens, guess what I hear? Say it again. It, where are you at now? Are you there? Uh, nothing. Why? Because he can't. He knows. Oh, I wish somebody would get the revelation today. The Lord's just stopped all this today, trying to get somebody to get the revelation today. If somehow in Jesus' name, we're closing here, and somehow in Jesus' name, somebody would, would, would finally, once and for all, determine in your mind, you are no longer going to walk around being defined by what you used to be and what you did, but you're going to finally allow God to pull back the curtain and reveal who you are, and you're able to stand up. And how does a boy walk into a valley standing against a giant that was so big that his sword outweighed him, and a shield that was could cover him and he walks out of there and he just walks out there and says you got your sword you got your shield but i come to you in the name of he know he didn't say hey you got your sword you got your shield but i got a bag of rocks buddy no he didn't say that what he knew what he had, but he knew what he had wasn't the reason why he was standing there that day. He had the ability. He had what he did. He didn't just wake up one day, grab some rocks, and decide to try it. He had perfected his craft, but he knew, I can do all things. And he stood out there and said, hey, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Some of us would freak out. To talk to the devil like that. Oh, you can't say that. He'll make him mad. Oh, don't say that to the devil. He'll don't make the devil mad. As if he's not already mad. Seriously. I'm trying to stop. But do you really think he's just sitting back there without a hands? He's already. You're the red cloth and he's the bull. So instead of being intimidated, why don't you finally stand up and be who God's called you to be? Stand up and the power that God has put in you. Boy, I'm feeling, I'm telling you, I know this is, it's, we're, we're still, I'm trying to stop, but I feel the Holy Ghost because God's trying to get a hold of somebody to give a revelation. If every one of us would get this revelation, when we leave this place, you know, it's one thing for us to be in here and believe that. But when we leave this place and you go to your job and you go to your neighborhood, you're not walking there like everybody else. When you walk on the job tomorrow, you're not walking in like every other employee. You're a different employee because you're a part of a different kingdom. You might have a passport that says American, but you're a coming from a different kingdom. You've got power that not everybody on your job has. You're not under the same name. You know what? You may walk in there and get fired tomorrow, but it wasn't the job, the, the boss making the decision because you're, you're at a higher master. If your God wants to fire you because he's got something better for you, he may use your boss, but you're not under. Those of you that are self-employed, you're not self-employed at the basis of, oh, if you can get more customers. You've got a heavenly father. He knows where the customers are. This is crazy. I'm, I don't know where this is coming from. I just feel somebody needs to get this revelation.
my God, if we figure out who we are, there is nothing that can stop us. And you know what? I'm tired of being intimidated. I am tired of being pushed around. I'm tired of try, making me, of being feel like I'm a, some kind of second class citizen because I believe in God and I'm a Christian and you got the pressure and the spirit of this world trying to tell me to conform and the pressure and the spirit of the adversary trying to tell me this is silly you're crazy you're doing all this no 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 because my God is bigger than anything there is nothing nothing Nothing, nothing, nothing that's impossible. Not for me, but there's nothing that's impossible for my God. But you know what? Not only is he my God, but I'm his child. I'm not some... I, I wish we could somehow... And I'm, I'm finishing. I wish somehow... I don't know what it means, and I'm not saying it's a wrong term, but I wish somehow we could disband the word Christian. Because we're not Christians. Jesus never called you to be a Christian. He called you to be a child, a son. He called you to be a son, not a Christian. Christians walk around. We're Christians. Christians. Sons walk around differently. Sons walk around differently. Would you stand with me? Bishop Wright taught several weeks ago. Or it was actually several weeks, but a week and a half ago on Thursday night. He made this statement. Name one place in the New Testament. And we know the New Testament truly begins in the book of Acts. Name one place in Acts of Revelation where the Bible says that we are to ask Anything in prayer. Why? Because we're his children. He already told us every need that we have, he will supply without us even asking. My children don't have to come to me every morning and say, Dad, are we going to get food today? Are you going to put clothes on us today? Are we going to have somewhere to sleep today? I'm their father. That's built into the agreement. That's already detailed. They don't have to ask. They don't wake. I don't, I don't, maybe they do. If they do, they hide it. I don't think my children get up in stress. Are, are we going to eat today? Are we going to have food today? Are we going to have somewhere to, no. Why? Because they know they have a father that is taking care of that need. So you know what? Asking God is not true faith. Because you can't ask God to do something he's already agreed to do. So we don't ask God for anything. He said, speak to the mountain. Speak. You speak. You speak. Don't call me up on the phone and ask me. Not meaning me. I'm talking about God. Don't call God on the phone and say, God, can I talk? No, no. He said, I've given you the authority to speak. In Jesus' name today. I pray that someone gets the revelation of who you are. I bind every spirit 
that blinds the people of God. I bind every spirit of intimidation. I bind every false lie and accusation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bind it in Jesus' name. And I loose the revelation. The loose the revelation of the sonship of Jesus Christ. I loose it in Jesus' name. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. In the name of Jesus, I loose that revelation. I bind in Jesus' name every blindness of the past. And Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that you would open our eyes and you would see who we are. Show us who we are. Show us who we are in you. Oh, come on, just as we close today, pray that prayer. Say, Lord, I want to see myself the way you see me. I want to see myself the way you see me. Would you pray that with me just for a moment? Come on, just ask him that. You don't have to be very loud, but ask the Lord that. Lord, give me a revelation of who I am. Let me see myself the way you see me. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, in Jesus' name, 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 in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, 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 open our eyes today, Holy Ghost. Oh, I bind the blindness, I bind the blindness. Let a spirit of revelation come in this place. Let a spirit of revelation come in this place. Let a spirit of revelation come in this place. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise and thanks right now. Can we do that? Come on, let's thank Him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Make sure you greet somebody. Please come back and be with us tonight. God's going to do something great tonight, and you want to be a part of that. Make sure you shake somebody's hand and greet them. God bless you.